Blog Talk Radio.
Dear Heavenly Father, Father, there are not words that we can potential that we can possibly come up with to thank you enough for that which you have laid out before us as an opportunity to glorify you for all of eternity. To be able to look up into the skies, to be able to see the trillions of universes, sometimes just as what appears to be small glowing areas of a dark sky in the middle of the night. The beauty that you have laid out before us, even here on this planet, Father God, the, the glory is beautiful decorations of the birds and the, and the amazing mountains and the lakes and the water and the brooks. Father, it's just, a, just a, so amazing to be a part of all of this creation and to realize that all of this was, all of this was part of your handiwork. And, and, even, and even we were part of your handiwork and remain part of it and pray in Jesus' name that we can serve thee, Father, and we can walk within the works that you have designed for us to walk in even before we were born. And we just praise you and thank you for every opportunity that we can to draw in closer to you, Father. We thank you for every opportunity that we we can to to maybe even pass a test. Uh, You know, maybe we fail certain things in in our testing. You know, the Lord God tests the righteous. And uh, and, and, uh, I just wanted to say glory to you, Father. Thank you on behalf of everyone, uh, whether they are praying with us live this evening or whether they are praying via a, a recorded podcast. I just wanted to give you praise, Father, and thank you on behalf of all of us, because it, it, we get so wrapped up many times in, in so many things that are associated with just the daily walk of, of the darkness that's associated with this world today, especially, that it is e- e- so ever so easy to lose sight of your glory, to forget how beautiful the world is that you have created around us, and to be able to see that incredible um, just, well, words cannot describe your handiwork is just amazing and we glorify in you when we thank you for it we thank you for romans chapter one which helps us to understand that really no one has a a reason to not want to search you out uh just by virtue of them being exposed to the glory and the amazing things that we have the the, uh, all around us everything around us the 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 flora and 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 just everything and father we just thank you for it we thank you for being so overt to so many of us for calling us we didn't call you but you chose us and we thank you for that we pray in the name of jesus that even those who at to the up until this point have not been called uh that that our prayers will have such a profound effect that our calling down of the powers and the glory and the and and the uh and the angels uh, on your behalf father that they that that, that that the numbers that with the multitude the innumerable company of glorious uh beings that would stand before you in, in light and love uh, will be even greater than that which was planned before there was time. We glorify in you, Father. We thank you for helping us to be able to see how big this all is. We praise you, Father, for the strength to be able to continue, even admit some, so many of the difficulties that many of us have struggled and navigated. Uh, perhaps not, you know, maybe maybe sometimes the, the ship sprung a leak. Maybe sometimes it listed to the left or to the right. But you were always there, Father. Father, to help pull us through, uh, maybe not you know, completely carry us out of the water, but to, to at least steady the course of the ship to some degree, uh, always testing us, always chastening us, always, uh, you know, uh, bringing us to a new place in our walk that we were able to you know, perhaps maybe strengthen um, strengthen 
in combination with your contribution to our walk and to yours, Lord Jesus, and your and your continuous um, uh, advocacy before the throne and your helping hand as we cry out to you and ask you for forgiveness for the things that we are in some cases too weak to even realize that you know we're we're behaving in a certain way or or feeling in a certain way in our heart. And we just praise you for all of the help that you have given us, especially the help that we don't see that is in the spiritual realm, Uh, the help of the angels that have protected us from sure death, uh, perhaps even uh, uh, a fate worse than death, which many of us would be uh, a crippling um, uh, health blow that would ultimately end us, you know, end up putting us in in just an awful, terrible uh, situation confined to a uh, a type of a deathbed here in this on this earth and and yet at the same time because of course that's where the demons would want us to be to suffer as much as the, you know they could possibly cause us to suffer uh certainly not a quick and easy death and father we know that these attacks are being levied they are being constantly launched against us we know that the scripture warns us about these things we experience many of them and they befuddle us we don't understand sometimes why we're going through them and all we want to just say is thank you father because if there is ever a time ever a time in the entire course of history going all the way back oh i would even submit potentially millions of years uh, before adam and eve and the garden of eden was injected onto this planet father we just praise you and we thank you because this time is perhaps far darker than many of the other eras seasons whatever uh, term we want to use to refer to it and and for those of us who are awakened to that darkness um it can become um, a fantastic emotional burden upon us, just like it says in Ecclesiastes 1.18. And we just praise you, Father, for strengthening us in, in times where our awareness is peaked. Uh, we see the evil, it's in, and it deeply troubles us. Yet at the same time, Father, through your strength, through your helping hand, Lord Jesus, and through your continuous forgiveness as we come back to you time and again for more help, more assistance, more uh, mercy, and more grace, uh, that, that you are always there for us. We praise you for always being there for us. We praise you for helping us overcome to be able to actually put the necessary effort forth uh, uh, out of our own strength, uh, albeit um, fortified, uh, lifted up, uh, amplified, increased by uh, your mercy and, Lord Jesus, your your help. Uh, While we do not see it, we do not necessarily understand it entirely, um, we look back on the days that we've navigated in rocky, rough, challenging seas of life and we look at it in astonishment we are amazed that we've made it to where we've made it to and we don't even know where that is actually in the grand scheme of all of the things that are of the end times we praise you for the days that we are in right now we thank you for all of your divine assistance we pray for an innumerable company of angels to be assigned to all of us lord in the name of jesus we we look forward to the opportunity to be able to glorify your holy name and to spend time in the sweet secret place of the most high we pray in the name of jesus that you will continue to purify us 
and that our sanctification will become even more pure to uh, to the pure all things are pure we want to walk in and 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 ha- and, and have uh, uh, Titus 1:15 become a part of who we are for us to be able to see nothing but Jesus and the glory of God everywhere we look to see past all the things of the darkness and the twisting and the and 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 uh, and the uh, contorting of of that which Satan brings uh, you know to 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 the, the unbelievers of this earth but we praise you father because we know that through your righteous judgments many will be brought to the glory of your awesome offering of eternal life and we just give you all the praise and honor and worship father we thank you for the opportunity to be able to serve you we thank you for the the wonderful beautiful opportunity for uh, to be able to praise you the wonderful and awesome opportunity to be able to share your word and just be able to just you know use the powers which you would vested in us through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring down that power to affect your uh, will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Glory to you, Father. We praise you. We thank you so, so much for all of your help. Uh, Not easy. Not easy. But we thank you so much, so very much for all of your help. We praise you, Jesus, for every prayer that you have prayed for us. We praise you, Jesus, for every time that you advocated for us. We praise you, Jesus, for every time that we didn't deserve a good word spoken on our behalf. But we received it anyway from your love. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And Holy Spirit, oh, you're so welcome. We pray that you just fill us, fill us, and just overcome us. Just fill us. We praise you, Lord. Overflow our cups in your divine presence. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you, Lord. Amen. Tonight is April the 8th of 2022, the 7th of Nisan, 5782. The next holiday is Pesach, which I believe is Passover. That would be April 16 of 2022, at least one of the days. And praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And tonight it is now 7.13 p.m. on the east coast of the United States of Babylon the Great. And tonight together we light Sabbath candles, or if you prefer, the Shabbat candles uh, together. Uh, And if it's another day for you and you're listening, it doesn't matter, because if you understand what Romans 14 is talking about, you can have have your time alone with the Lord, your dedicated time. You can call it the Sabbath. You can call it Shabbat. You can call it just time alone in the secret place of the Most High, if you wish, because all these things glorify our Father and please Him. We praise you, Father, for this. We thank Thank you for this evening. In your precious and holy name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. The Hebrew Kaddish. Aruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech Haolam Borei Peri Hagafen Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech Haolam Asher Kitshanu B'mitzvotav Savanu Vishabakocho Vauvratson in Hilanu Zikaron Lemase Vereshit Kihuyom Tehila Lemikra Kodesh Zechelitiat 
Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me. For you are my dove, hidden in the split-open rock. And was I who took you and hid you up high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes are in worship and lovely your voices in prayer. You must catch those troubling foxes, those sly little foxes that hinder our relationship. They raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I have planted within you. Will you catch them and remove them for me? We will do it together. Thank you. 
Midnight, I will rise to give thanks to you, Father, because of your righteous judgments. Psalm 119, 62. Seven times a day, I will praise you, Father, because of your righteous judgments. Psalm 119, 164. For when your judgments are in the earth, Lord, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Isaiah 26, 9. At midnight, Father, we will rise to give thanks to you because of your righteous judgments. Oh, we praise you, Father God. We thank you, Lord. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Praise God. And better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. Proverbs 17, 1. Praise you, Father. For I have come to set man against his father, daughter against her mother, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life, his earthly one, will lose it. But he who loses his life, his earthly one, for my sake, will find it. Matthew ten thirty-five to 39 For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is Holy Father. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart 
of the contrite ones. Isaiah 57, 15. Contrite meaning feeling or expressing remorse or penitence affected by guilt, broken, remorseful, repentant, penitent, regretful, sorry. Praise God. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you will make us an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, help us to sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, Father, help us to sow faith. When there is despair in someone's heart, help us to give them hope. Where there is darkness, Father, help us to show them light. Where there is sadness, Father, help us to sow joy. Divine Master, glorious Father God, we pray that you will grant to each of us a desire, not so much to be consoled, but to console others. Not so much to be understood, but to understand others. Not so much to be loved, but Father, to show your love to others. For it is in giving that we receive, and it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is dying, dying to ourself here, that we are truly born to eternal life. Credit given to a prayer of St. Francis. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. Our Father, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pitieth his children, the Lord God pities those who fear him, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we're dust. Thank you, Father. We praise your holy name. Holy Lord Jesus, Father God in heaven, we pray that you will please cleanse and totally purify our heart, our soul, our spirit, our minds, our flesh, our record-keeping books in heaven, and our robe and gown in heaven. Jesus, with your precious blood, Father, purge it with your Zechariah 2.5 glorious holy fire. Praise you, Lord. Purify us. Purify us in Jesus' name. For, Father, we confess of our sins before you. We confess of our sins, those even those of which we are unaware that we have committed. For as David said in Psalm 51, our sin is always before us. And in sin our mothers conceived us. And who and which, which of us are able to stand before you and claim compliance with Romans 14.23, that which, with that which is not from faith is sin. We pray, pray Father, in Jesus' name, that you will purge us with your holy fire. Cleanse us. Forgive us for our sin. Forgive me for the mistakes that I made this week. 
for the times when I allowed my own personal emotions to overcome what should have been the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Forgive each of us for those times when our humanness overcame our admonition to be just like our King, Jesus. And to remember that by virtue of our contrite humility before you, even as we feel victimized by the circumstances around us, that Jesus-like and childlike faith, knowing who you are, knowing that you have control over all those things which we do not. Help us, Father, and teach us, please, through the Spirit, to become stronger in these regards, understanding that by virtue of taking responsibility for those things which we are being taught now, that rewards will come our way perhaps rewards for things which we have prayed for for years, struggled to, to experience in our walk, wondering why we never saw it. Three steps forward, two steps back sometimes. Praise you, Jesus. So I've shared this with you real quick before we continue on. So... I had a tough, really tough week this week, and if you look at the fruits of the Spirit, which are Galatians 5.22, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, think about, these are amazing words, love, which is, we, we don't really understand love on this planet, <laughs> we just, we really don't. Anybody who's ever been taken to heaven and comes back and tries desperately to to explain the love of God, cannot. They simply cannot. Quite frankly, most of the time, they just cry. We've had more people, I can't even remember, I mean, gosh, so many that that have been on the program. And they talk about the love, the love, the love. We don't understand it. Paul tried, tries to explain, and he tries as best as he can to in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 13. And it's a powerful message, but it still can't possibly convey the love of God. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy. Now, why will we have joy? The only way we could possibly have joy is to see past that which is in front of us to see that which is eternal. Not simply to believe it, but to know it. And to behave because we know it, exactly as we would if we truly believed, which we do, but we become overwhelmed sometimes by the flesh. And the flesh is simply a term for all those things that we experience and see right now and look around us and feel. And if you pinch your arm, it's part of the flesh. It's all 
it's really it's it's just like just like Einstein said. We live in a hologram, albeit a very convincing one. An incredibly convincing one. And that flesh we perceive as being stronger because we've never experienced the glory of God outside of this existence. We've never been set free from the flesh. And you look at love, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, which could only come from Colossians 3, verse 2 and 3. You know, keep your mind stayed on things above and not on things of this earth, which is why I think it is so important to spend as much time as we can. I think we should all spend at least an hour uh, a week maybe reading some book about someone's visit to heaven or listening to a testimony of someone's visit to heaven. But we do got to be careful because there are some folks out there that that are certain they were taken to heaven. But anyway, I'm not going to get into that. There's some pretty serious trickery of the devil. But anyway, but spend the time and remember it. Make it experiential in your walk so that you can dwell upon it, so that you can close your eyes and be there to experience that joy. I learned as I was studying methods for controlling my own emotions that get sucker punched by the devil quite frequently. I think a lot of us do. Not all of us, but a lot of us. Um, I learned that God has hardwired us, and I didn't know this, this is an amazing thing, but God has actually hardwired us. Um, it's part of our DNA, DNA, I suppose. Well, it must be. But evidently, when we smile, you just smile. You smile. Smile. It, it, you could you could write a whole two three chapters of amazing information about the sim the all the stuff that's associated with the smile. The smile when a when we smile, even if we don't have anything to smile about, it sends some type of a signal. I don't understand it. I've read about it. I've read about the science associated with it, and I've also also read that they have been able to measure it with scientific neurological test equipment. But evidently, when we smile, it causes some type of signal to go to our brain, and it actually changes the disposition. It, so you could be in a really crummy mood, just ready to pop, get a baseball bat and start breaking some things. And if you just take a moment and smile, the signal that goes in, it sends some type of signal somehow. In fact, it takes many times a magnitude less muscles in your face to smile than it does to frown. Yet, for some reason, we default to the negative because of the flesh. The flesh, by its own nature, is negative. We are commanded and indeed admonished to overcome the flesh. 
So the lesson learned there was to when you're in an incredibly frustrating situation that you would normally react to in a negative way perhaps, or even if that negative way is inside of your heart, it doesn't necessarily have to be displayed outside of your heart. It could be something that you feel inside that's utterly invisible to everybody around you, yet it is not good to God. And it is part of the flesh that we are admonished to avoid, to walk in the spirit, to have that joy, to smile. When you smile and you focus on the Lord, if you've got to close your eyes, close your eyes. But when you smile in adversity, in extreme anxiety, and you smile anyway, and you think about how beautiful heaven is because you're so intimately familiar with it because you did spend that time reading that book, you know, uh, uh, um, My Dream of Heaven or whatever. Listening to Odin Hetrick's testimony, perhaps, or one of many others. When you will induce, I don't understand why, and the books that write about it and scientifically have evidence to it can simply say it's a fact. And evidently, in a very bad situation, a smile, a frustrating situation that would normally just make you just say, you know, freak out and say, I can't take it anymore kind of thing, you, you pause, stop, don't say nothing. Because at that point in time, you're very vulnerable, and you smile, and you give yourself at least a minute focusing on Jesus, focusing on glory, focusing on heaven, focusing, keeping your mind stayed on things above, and not on, things, not on the things of this earth. And that gives you the joy. So there is a behavior that you can institute in your life by choice. So the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace. Oh, by the way, a side effect of that. See, a lot of books will refer to that as meditation. And of course, we, you know, every time Satan can get a chance, he's going to take Christians who are probably the most gullible of any religion in the face of the, uh, you know, in all of the universes, really. Incredibly gullible. They believe anything. Oh, that's of the devil. And, of course, they run away, ah, scared. And they never really think about, wait a minute, Satan didn't create this. Our Father did. We were fearfully and wonderfully made. Satan just simply took it, gave it a label, that sounded spooky and scary, so that we would run away from it. Oh, no! Instead of embracing it, to the pure, all things are pure. Titus 1.15 You smile, but you got to give yourself a little time. You reside in that secret place of the Most High. You glorify in your memories of heaven and where we are going, and that you're not from here, and you're not staying here, and that you are forgiven that you are forgiven. There's this physiological transformation that can occur. So, and, and, and 
So love, joy, peace comes next. You take those deep breaths. You don't think about the situation. You let it melt away. You're not, you're not doing any of that weird transcendental meditation, Uga Chaga Mayan stuff. You're thinking about the Lord. You're focusing on his face. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And things of earth will go strangely dim. And that short period of time that you paused with that smile, that sent that signal that God gave you, as part of who you are, built in. There's so much, so many amazing, miraculous, incredible spiritual things that are built into you, even into our flesh. They're built in. They're interfaces. They're, they're designed to allow us to experience who we actually are, even though we're trapped in this flesh. Love, joy, peace, incredible patience, which is referred to as long-suffering. So now, when you're being unfairly treated, the situation that you're being thrown into by someone else's opinion, at that moment in time seems life, I mean, it's everything for you maybe that's what happened to me this last week one person's commanding tone of how something had to be essentially put my job at stake my entire career potential for losing my home I mean the list is so huge and I reacted in the flesh instead of smiling and letting it just pass by, trusting God, having that peace, that joy, that patience, that wave of the Spirit of God to just completely wash it all away, helping me to remember that God's got this. The Lord has this under His control. Long, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, Gentleness is something that we acquire as Christ becomes us and we become Christ. Because Christ is compassion. Jesus is unbelievable compassion. Compassion that we can't understand. And it goes on to say, you know, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, of course, sticking with it, overcoming, and self-control. Self-control is the last one, the hardest one of all for a lot of us. A lot of times we don't even realize that we've lost our self-control, even though we show no sign of it on the outside. When that anger is inside of us, even though our faces are controlled very well, but we're still angry. We So today, there's a reason for this. I'll give many testimony, and then we're going to move on. Praise God. So we've got to get into the spiritual warfare, warfare stuff for our protection. But anyway, um, hallelujah. I've got to um, 
Hold on just a second. There we go. Thank you, Jesus. Um, so what happened today, I I was doing, you know, I don't know, the Lord led me to some information, and I knew about the smile thing, but I didn't know about the 60-second thing. I was, you know, and it threw a couple of things together for me. Anyway, I don't know what happened. And I don't know how it happened, and it might have been the Holy Spirit. Uh, it might have been Jesus. Just I don't know. I mean, you know, Philippians four thirteen. You know, says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My little scripture card sitting on my desk. I have a stack of about you know, it's about a half an inch stack, maybe a three quarters of an inch stack of scripture cards, and I flip them every once in a while. And my uh, the one for for the last couple of days has been, don't be afraid, for I'm with you. Don't be discouraged. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. Isaiah 41.10 I don't know why. I don't know how come. But for whatever reason, today... Well, yeah, it was today. It was today at 3 a.m. I woke up. Happens a lot. And I'm like, okay, well, I can either try to get one more hour of sleep in. Then one of the dogs whined, and I was like, okay, yeah, that's it. I'm just going to get up. Just going to get up. I'm not going to worry about how many hours I slept. I'm not going to be concerned about it. I'm not going to forget it. I'm going to spend more time with the Lord. Just going to spend more time with the Lord. And I did. Got up at three. And it was strange because because of all these things that were said that upset me for like a million good reasons. Like, well, not a million, but a whole bunch of really, really good reasons. Um, but I shouldn't let them upset me. If I had smiled and taken pause, then love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control would have come over me, the fruits of the Spirit, instead of the fruits of the flesh. And I, today, it was like, okay, you know what? So they're going to throw me on an airplane with very little warning, I'm going to be in a lot of pain. I know this. I know it's going to be at least a two-flight journey. I'm going to be running through a lot of airports, possibly incredibly long distances. I will not be able to breathe very well. My heart will beat exceedingly hard. It could end up killing me. And I'm not exaggerating. And then I thought to myself, you know, I've been praying that the Lord would help me to lose this pandemic 30 or whatever, I, that's my nickname for it. And I thought to myself, how funny, how ironic that maybe the very thing that I'm feeling frustrated over. So I decided I was going to embrace it. I'm going to enjoy this trip. 
I'm going to go there. I'm going to dress sharp. I'm going to look my best. I'm going to shake hands, pat people on the back, make them love me, make them love the work that I do, mean it from the bottom of my heart, and have a good time. And I'm going to enjoy the journey on the trip. I even bought this new neato thing. Neato, huh? <laughs> Praise God. Showing my age here. <laughs> what is that? Uh, courtship of Betty's father, right? <laughs> People let me tell you about my best friend. But anyway, it's really cool. I, I don't, I pray in Jesus' name that it works as well as they say it does. But supposedly, it's very cushiony, but it's not a pillow. And you put it around your shoulder, and it's, I don't know, they, they demonstrated it, and it looked very effective. Evidently, it allows you to completely relax and rest your, he, your, your, your head and your upper body and support you so that when you're on a plane and you're sitting straight up, you can go sound asleep that you don't have a crick in your neck and you're not hurting really bad. Because when you're my age, trust me, believe me, if you're, if you're, if you're going through airports with, yeah, it's, it can be incredibly painful by the time you arrive. And, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, flying to California was no big deal. Six hours, seven hours on a plane, no big deal. You can take nothing of it. But you put a mask on and you, yeah, it, it can get really pretty horrible. <laughs> Talking from firsthand experience. And, um, but anyway, but I embraced it. I made my mind up by golly that I was going to enjoy it. I was going to have a good time. I even got that little gizmo that helps you sleep, you know, better on the plane. And I was, and I, I decided I'm going to have fun. I am going to have fun. I really did. So I knew I had to get my dry cleaning done. I've been putting it off forever, hoping I wouldn't have to. Really didn't was kind of praying that I wouldn't have to fly again for like ever. Almost kind of wanted Doctor Fauci to come out with another evil potion, but you know that would wouldn't be right. So, so I got you know I got determined. I knew I had to make three major stops. You know, when <laughs> you hear what happened, praise God, thank you Jesus. So I got up and I decided, look. I got to do this. I got to stop worrying about whether I'm in front of my computer or all these other things that I let bother me. And I just said, I got to go do it. And I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not even going to think about it. I'm just going to go do it. Could take care of these things. And if it takes me an hour, it takes me an hour, whatever, you know, that, that's period. I grabbed my dry cleaning, you know, all the stuff that I needed, bunch of stuff. Uh, something else I had to drop off. Very important. And then I also uh, discovered that uh, CVS only is joking when they say they'll deliver your <laughs> you have, Of course, you have to go through like, you know, 20 minutes on the phone pressing buttons and getting frustrated by the computer that is talking to you and telling you the wrong things. And then you finally get a hold of somebody that says, oh, yeah, that text message about us sending it to you in the mail. We're just kidding. You have to come here and get it. So anyway, so I decided, okay, I'm going to knock all these things out. I'm going to take care of them. I'm not going to worry about a thing. I'm going to have a good time on this trip, and I am going to embrace it. I'm going to have a, you know, when they when they have that tribunal today on that Zoom meeting, by golly, I'm going to be the guy that says, let's do it. Hallelujah. <laughs> I wanted to make a 180. So I got to grab this 
big thing of dry cleaning. You know, another thing that had to be dropped off. Uh, it's it was a, it's a watch that has to have a battery changed, and it's got to be sent to the factory. It's kind of a pain, but anyway, whatever. <clears throat> I learned my lesson the hard way. Um, but anyway, um, so the first stop was the watch. I had to get that to the factory, and it should have taken me mm, 60 seconds, tops, maybe maybe two minutes if there was somebody else in front of me. It's the UPS store. They're fast, in, out, boom. I walk, I walk in, and there are six people in line. There is a guy getting his, his fingers printed for a passport. There's another guy who wants to get gigantic posters made out of canvas, and they're going through all that. It, it was unbelievable. And I'm thinking to myself, there's no way. I've lived here for 35 years. I cannot believe I see what I'm seeing right now. That many people. So I stopped and I smiled. I forced that smile. I plastered that smile on my face. I put that smile on me there. And I just closed my eyes and breathed deeply. And I smiled. And I smiled my way until about 25 minutes later when I finally got up to the front. Anyway, long story short, I got out of there. Went over to the dry cleaners. That went fast. That was pretty quick, so I got out of there pretty quick. Turned around, went through twisty, windy roads to, it's a long story, but anyway, headed down to CVS Pharmacy. I'm driving down the road to CVS Pharmacy. I'm probably already about 45 minutes out when I should have been done with the entire three drop-off journey in less than 15 minutes total. But that's okay. I kept on smiling. And I went down to the CVS. I pulled into the CVS to go get my BP meds that they used to deliver to my mailbox, but now they won't do it anymore, which is fine. Of course, it doesn't make me happy, but that's okay. I'll go down, even though i got to go back in a couple of days now because CVS cannot synchronize medications to save their lives. They will never, ever, ever get that right, and that's just one of them things. <laughs> Praise God. You just have to keep going back and back and back and back and back. They won't synchronize the dates that they need to be refilled. Don't know why. They were all sent by the doctor on the same day. They should have been synchronized, but somehow they magically become unsynchronized, so you have to go back a whole bunch of times. <laughs> well, praise Jesus, right? Amen? So I pull in, <laughs> you know, now I've got deadlines. I've got meetings i got to be on with, like, you know, billion-dollar companies. I'm not joking. And so I pull in, and I Turn the car around, and it's a converted, it's a drive-through CVS pharmacy. It's a converted bank with two lanes. The lane that's closest to the building, the car pulls right up, and the drawer comes right out to the person. But they have made that the COVID lane. The lane on the outside is the everybody else lane. Well, I needed to go to the everybody else lane. So I pull up to the everybody else lane, and <laughs> you're going to love this, and there's a big sign, a trifold sign with a weighted, I don't know, 
to keep it from blowing away from the wind, I guess. But the big, big sign just right there in the middle of the lane. And you know what the sign said? It said if you want to do something about COVID and be tested for COVID and get stuff for COVID and kill yourself, you got to be in the other lane. <laughs> but they put the COVID sign in the lane that the people that don't care about COVID have to use. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, I don't believe what I'm saying here. No problem, right? I'll just get out of the car and go move the sign. Amen? Praise Jesus. No biggie. I'm still smiling. So, I open up the door of the car. I get out of the car. I walk over to the big old gigantic sign that is sitting in my lane. And I pick it up. It was heavy, just like I thought it would be. And I put it in the center and went back to my car so I could drive up to the little tube thing that sucks the tube up. Like, you know, that's how you get your meds. Only when I went to pull the handle on my car door, it was locked and my car was still running. And I thought, well, maybe one of the other doors is open. I couldn't understand how in the world could an unlocked door, obviously, if it was locked, I couldn't have opened it in the first place, so it had to have been unlocked or it would have been, you know, what happened? How did it get locked? So I checked the door behind it. It's locked. I go back to the hatchback. It's locked. I go to the other side. It's locked. I go to the next. It's locked, too. The car is completely locked down and running. Sitting there just running. <laughs> so now I can feel you know, my blood pressure throbbing. My, you know, as a matter of fact, at this point, my hand was actually visibly shaking as I was opening up my wallet to get my AAA card out. I mean, I could actually see the effect it was having on me physiologically. Because everything else I'd already been through. And I'm just sitting here going, this is impossible. This cannot be happening. This cannot be happening. So I pull out my AAA card. I call it AAA. And they do their little deal. And, I, you know, pretty much 50% of the conversation was, have you been within 10 billion miles of anyone with COVID in the last 70 years? And I'm like, in Jesus' name, I have not been around anybody with COVID. And the lady's like, oh, okay, thank you. You wouldn't believe it. Every single question the AAA person asked me was followed by a, can you confirm that you have been nowhere near anyone with COVID? And I kept on smiling. She went ahead and dispatched a person, da-da-da-da-da-da. And I figure if nature takes its course and AAA maintains their standard service level, I might get back in time for the meeting around noon, if I'm lucky. And But I kept my cool. In fact, while my car was running, I went over to the drive-up window and I knocked on the window <laughs> And I said, um, well, you know, as long as I'm here, might as well go ahead and fill my meds that you would not send to my mailbox like you used to. And they're like, yeah, no problem. Handed them through the thing. 
But here's the cool part. God rewarded it. Finally. And I hope the next time I'm tested, I can pass the test again. Because here was the reward. AAA broke their record by no less than two hours. The man that was sent to open up my car was a fully certified locksmith. Not just some guy with a you know a, a jimmy inside of a you know tow truck. This this guy was the real deal. You know he's you know the guy you called a crack a safe kind of guy. And he pulls up to the car. He gets out of the car. Get this, he was there in thirty minutes, which is a miracle for them. In the Tampa Bay area, it is an absolute beyond any shadow of a doubt is a miracle of Jesus Christ. And he gets out of the car and he sees the giant white Jesus sign on the back of my window. And he gets the biggest smile on his face and he goes, glory to God, let's get your car open. <laughs> He's a believer. He walks over, sticks a couple of things in the door, bing, bang, boom. And the thing is just open. This like It's like magic. Made me kind of feel stupid, wished I'd thought of, but anyway, that was especially, and that's what he did. And then we prayed in the parking lot together. And I gave him a, a generous tip, because I know they don't make a lot of money. And um, and just, you know, prayed that God's holy fire would bless him and protect his family, and just, oh, it was just awesome. And he was very blessed and very happy. And then I came back to the house, totally relaxed. Within a short period of time, joined the Zoom session with the billion-dollar global real estate corporation. And all the people that are, you know, executives that are in charge of it. And the official decision was made that we are not going to travel to that location. <laughs> So not only <laughs> did this old trip that could have turned into a complete, really, really bad situation end up being a blessing, but the net end result of it all was God taking away all the pressure, all the things that I was concerned about, and to top it all off, thank you, Jesus. He also rewarded me with not one, but two different helpers that I can hire to watch my house when I travel, that I can call, and they'll actually house sit for me, which is, that never existed before. So this is obviously something that is relatively new in this area because I have searched for it before. So now, oh, and one of them is also a handyman, okay? Um I should say handy woman, um, but she's like Tim the Toolman Taylor plus a house sitter. <laughs> I, I told her on the phone, I said, well, wait till you see my house. You'll have enough work to do until Jesus comes. Turns out that she's also a Christian. Praise God. But anyway, I wanted to share that with you because there is victory. God will kind of like pour out on our lives and our situations 
when we pass the test. Now, I've kind of known that, but finding that secret weapon, that smile, that pause, that take some deep breaths, don't let this get to you, just let it flow away. Remember, you're in a hologram. And that resulted in a a domino effect of rewards and blessings. It's hard to quantify unless you're in my shoes. And I, if you were telling me your story, it would be hard for you to quantify it to me. But when you actually experience it, it's pretty motivational. Praise God. Because now I'm extra motivated, extra motivated to smile. Praise God. Lord, 
let me always hope in you and humble my heart. Father, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus and by his blood, we declare that any entity of the darkness, worker of Satan, live or dead human spirit, a member of a witch coven, anything that cannot call Jesus Christ its Lord and Savior, that at the very moment that it sets its will against us, at the very moment that it sets its will against our loved ones, in the mighty name of Jesus, we decree the holy fire of God to shoot down from the glory pillar and to burn them in the screaming agony, disarming them and making a public spectacle of them. We bind before the courts of heaven against the demons of darkness and any entity that would attempt to come against us. In Jesus' name, Colossians 2, 15. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. We declare and decree that any weapons, earthly or spiritual, shall be vaporized by the fire of God at the very moment that they set their wills against us. All fiery darts vaporized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We declare in Jesus' name the holy fire of God around about our dwelling places, intermingled with a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to blow it white hot in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We declare in Jesus' name that holy fire to surround our prayers, to melt the firmament of the rock and to scatter the demons of darkness across the demonic ether, to run for their lives. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, we praise you, Father. And to melt it, to melt that thick stench that covers us in the, it covers the, the realm in which we exist in this fallen realm, O Lord God, and just causes it to melt away and surrounds our prayers that they be protected and that no entity of the darkness can come near them. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you will sign large, powerful, fearsome warrior angels to stand guard at, at, at the very doors of our homes. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. We tear up all demonic contracts. We cancel all assignments. All demonic contracts and assignments are canceled in Jesus' name. Praise you, Father. Father, we plead with the courts of heaven and we pray in Jesus' name for the assignment of a platoon of strike angels. Seal team seven angels, Father God. We pray in the name of Jesus that they be sent on a search and destroy mission throughout all aspects of our lives. To hunt down portals, to hunt down any demonic uh, 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 powers that, it, that, are, that are assigned to come against us. To, to, to ferret them out and to destroy them where they stand. If they are found, in Jesus' name we pray that the fire of God will strike them from the heavens and burn them in a screaming horrific agony and that all of their demonic entities that join them in their pursuit of evil will be scattered as far away as possible. We declare the holy fire of God and thorny hedge of protection around about our loved ones in Jesus' name to protect them, Father God, even from themselves. 
We pray in the name of Jesus that if our loved ones are unsaved or they are not as close to you as they ought, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that through the presence of the Holy Spirit, through the presence of your angels, through the assignment of incredible glory and mercy that you will touch them in dreams and visions of the night and bring them in closer to you, Father, even if it's over time. Father, we pray that your holy fire will swirl around our workplaces, that will just swirl around every single person that we work with, every single person that that person works with, that, that, that all aspects of our lives, wherever we go, whatever store we walk in, wherever we – everywhere. Everywhere, Lord, Father, God, we just pray that these angels are following us, that the holy fire of God is burning bright, that the whirlwind of the Holy Spirit is encircling us, and that there is nothing that can touch us, that we are completely contained on all sides. In the name of Jesus, we declare it. We exercise the rule of the victor, the Lord Jesus Christ, over any demonic region that would attempt to set their wills against us. We we exercise and decree the rule of the victor against all demonic regions that would permit these spirits even to go through their territory in the first place to come against us. We command it to be immediately cut off from ever receiving power from the kingdom of darkness again. We require the immediate disbursement of all other funds from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We require the immediate destruction of all their books on artifacts of sorcery by the fire of God, and we require the immediate reversal of all their schemes, the cancellation of all their assignments against us or our loved ones. Penalties applied. We cast them into the pit, and we clear the fire of God to weld the pit shut, to permeate the pit, to burn them where they stand, and we plead the blood of Jesus to seal the pit in Jesus' name. For only the Lamb of God can break the seals. This time I break out holy oil. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We consecrate ourselves to the complete ownership of the Lord Jesus Christ. We renounce all things spoken of in the darkness against us. We declare and plead the abundant grace of God, the living water, and the crystal river to wash all impurities, iniquity, sin, transgressions, Negative thoughts from every every particle of our existence in this realm. We plead your blood, Jesus, upon us. Wash us. We thank you, Father God, for your blessings upon our lives. The Lord bless us. The Lord keep us. The Lord, our Father, Make his face to shine upon us and to be gracious unto us. And our Father, we pray, lift his countenance upon us and give us peace. Thank you, Jesus.
scriptures. I haven't read them for a while. Love them. How could you not? First Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. A royal priesthood. Not becoming one, you are already one. Ezekiel twenty two thirty. 
So I thought, sought for a man amongst them to make a wall, stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Very important to take note of, because in this case, God was looking for someone <clears throat> to stand. So there's a gap, right? And so what is this gap? Obviously, this gap is there's God, and then there's the land behind the person, and there's somebody standing in between it. That essentially is who we are when we're praying for people of lands and maybe just praying for the people of a church or maybe just praying for the people of a particular town or whatever the case is, but you're still standing in the gap. Then, of course, Matthew 18, 18, so misunderstood. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And again, if you don't understand um, contracts, how courts operate, you have binding contracts, you have clauses. That's just like a paragraph or whatever that has a particular, it says, you know, if you drive over 65 miles an hour, you could lose your license, if, you know, whatever. That's a clause. And it's binding when it's ratified. It's signed into law. But it can be amended by loosing the clause. So whatever we bind in the courts of heaven, whatever we lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So we're being given the authority as a royal priesthood to act in the courts of heaven through Matthew 18, 18 and other scriptures as well. But this one in particular is very obvious. And it is very legal. This is very in the courts. Binding and loosing contracts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, very, very right, kind of like in your face. Very obvious. Thank you, Jesus. All right, John twenty twenty three. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Oh, that doesn't apply to you. That's, you're just misunderstanding it. You're taking it out of context. No, we're not. It says what it says. If you're a royal priest, this is one of the reasons why Nehemiah in chapter 1, verse 6, confessed of the sins of the peoples of the lands of Israel. This is why Daniel in chapter 9, verse 25, confessed of the, first he confessed of his own sins, Daniel, dearly and greatly beloved of God, was <laughs> on his knees confessing of his sins. Evidently, he felt that he had things to confess for. I wonder what he was confessing over. Could it be that the very fact that Daniel was constantly inspecting and thinking of himself and how he was behaving and how he was feeling in his heart and at any given time just made him aware? Maybe he was living in a godly way. Maybe he was practicing First John uh, 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 3, 7. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he, Jesus, is righteous. 
And he who sins willfully and habitually is doing so on account of the devil. It says of the devil, but you have to understand what it's really trying to say. doesn't mean you belong to the devil. <laughs> if that were true, then every time we sin, we were automatically belong to the devil, right? <laughs> That's kind of a rough place to be. Anyway, praise God. So you have to kind of like use some common sense when you're looking at the interpretation of the scripture. You did it on account of the devil. You misbehaved. Um, it's amazing because you see this repeating theme over and over again. In Daniel 9.19, you see, O oh Lord, hear. O oh Lord, forgive. Concept of us confessing and receiving forgiveness in a continuous cycle of self-inspection is it appears to me that it may very well be the single most important aspect of our walk. As a matter of fact, somebody somebody who's a very godly Christian person said something to me today, and I realized that if I took their advice, I would essentially be telling a white lie. And so when I pulled my car into the garage or whatever, I, I was like, I hung, hung my head down and I said, Father, please, in the name of Jesus, forgive him for saying that. Just forgive and forget it. Just wash it away in the name of Jesus. I forgive him. You forgive him. Let's just lay it before you. Continuous. Continuous. I, I honestly believe, I really do, that that continuous attentiveness to all things, how we feel, what we think. It's about the heart. But then it goes on to say, Oh Lord, listen and act and do not delay. So we know, if look, if Daniel was asking our father not to delay, then why would he do that? Because he would know that sometimes our father is, maybe he just figured that he's he delays he knows he obviously knows that God delays in some cases, or else why would he even bother to ask him not to delay right now, why would God delay? Does he have other things on the docket in the courts of heaven that he has to take care of perhaps? but he says these. Amazing words, for your own sake, my God, for your own sake. Interesting, because those are the same words that were spoken through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 43, 25 through 27, which are some of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, I love them. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. So evidently, if God doesn't blot out your transgressions, and the accuser of the brethren who accuses the brethren both day and night, Satan, who stands in the courts of heaven, which is proven beyond any shadow of a doubt, right there in the scripture, you, I'll read it in a second, you'll see. 
But he's right there in the courts of heaven. I've even talked to people that have been in heaven and seen Satan in the courts of heaven. But God blots out your transgressions because you need to be forgiven or else the accuser can block. See, they have to play according to the rules of the courts. If you walk into a in a, in a courtroom, now I'm not going to speak in terms of other courtrooms in other countries because honestly, honestly, I don't understand them and I don't care to. Okay, but I can tell you in the United States of Babylon the Great, pretty much, not with any great expertise, but good enough to know that there are some very, very specific rules that must be followed. This is one of the reasons why when a person wants to represent themselves, oftentimes, in many cases, it is greatly discouraged and sometimes denied because they don't know how to follow the rules. And it may put people's lives in jeopardy, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, the point is this. The rules must be followed. If you don't know the rules, guess what? They eject you from the courtroom. Counselor, you're in contempt. Bailiff. Remove him. You don't think that happens in the courts of heaven? I assure you it does. If there is anyone who is, and if we, as a royal priesthood, are operating in the courts of heaven, and we're breaking the court's rules, what, what, we're going to get moved to the top of the docket? You know, oh, it's okay if you're, you know, breaking all the rules. You can. I'm just going to give you a hall pass. You're 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 in the greatest courts in all the universes, but you get a hall pass. No, you don't get a hall pass. Matter of fact, in some of the books that I've read about this subject, um, some of the most difficult trials and tribulations that some people that knew about these, how to pray before the courts of heaven, when they broke those rules, they had. Eh, something that they were doing in their life they shouldn't have been doing, whatever the case is. Bad stuff happened. <laughs> okay? So that that's an important thing to understand is that, you know, you, you really need to be purified. You really need to be self-retrospective, inspecting yourself, judging yourself, just like it says in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 28, 31, and 32. If we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when, you know, it's so important to understand these things. You always, that act of self-inspection, that confession, I mean, I confess many times in tears, knowing that I definitely did sin, but not being able to identify what it was I did. And and I don't mean that, I, what I mean is, I just know that because of our sin nature, that, you know, and I'll, I'll say, Father, I am not aware, but you know what? I pray in Jesus' name, please wash me clean of any iniquity. Wash me clean of any sin that I have committed before you, anything that I have done, any act that I have, any feeling that I have felt, any thought that I have thought that doesn't, that isn't in alignment with your perfect will and your glorious, merciful, you know, it's, that's a real high watermark. 
and, and, I, it's, and it's actually kind of a pretty bad mistake to assume, e.g. a presumptuous sin, which is an, a great offense to God, that you somehow are sin-free. That's an amazing thing there by itself. But we are forgiven. But it requires that confession. It requires that continuous cycle of sanctification, desire, godly sorrow, and wanting to be better, desiring that, wanting to please God. But right here he says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Put me in remembrance and let us contend together. You know when it says in the scripture that, you know, every one of us will have to give an account for everything and this, that, and the other thing. And I say to myself, well, I look at all of these other scriptures and I don't see us giving an account. So what I see is if God does not remember our sins, then what are we doing giving an account for anything for? He doesn't remember them. What are you accounting for? So the only thing that I can deduce, knowing that that scripture is in there, is that because of the diversity of believers, there's good believers, there's mediocre believers, there's baby Christians, there's those who are much more, they fear God more, they spend more time on their knees, they praise him more, they glorify him more, but they're not perfect. They're not. I have some of the most people that, some of the people that I followed, I don't want to say followed because that's kind of like implies a much stronger dynamic than what I was doing. I was simply listening to their prophetic stuff. Um, in fact, in one in particular, I had had her on a show, read many of her prophecies, but she was committing a form. She has iniquity in her heart. She doesn't know that she has iniquity in her heart. And when I tried to call her up on the phone and help, I didn't you know, call her on the phone and say, Sister, you got iniquity in your heart. It wasn't like that. I was trying to save her from an awful sin that she was committing because of the iniquity. She was completely misteaching, publicly teaching the scripture about where Jesus says, sell your cloak and go and get swords, you know, and this, that, and the other thing. She was misteaching it as a, as, as a, uh, a, a, you know, trying to tell everybody, yes, you can go ahead and defend yourself. You can go ahead and shoot people because you're afraid, you know, and I'm like, I can give you a hundred scriptures to say otherwise. You're obviously misunderstanding it. And then you're out there teaching it. Heaven forbid. And I tried to call her, and I was like, forget it. That door was closed. And I'm like, okay. Anyway, praise God. Oh, I, oh, man, I spent so much time on my knees begging God to help me understand how all that stuff worked about that, you know, this notion that people have that makes them think that they can be unlike Jesus and that it's okay to be that way. Because of two swords, which, by the way, it says right there in the scripture, the reason why he even wanted the swords in the first place. First, they didn't have them, so they obviously didn't carry them. And, 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 and then he was it's like, there's 13 people standing there, and they bring over two because they went and found them. And he said, look, here we got two. And Jesus is like, that's enough. 
it's good enough because all I'm trying to do is fulfill this prophecy that I'm counted amongst the transgressors out of Isaiah. It says right there the whole reason why he did it in the first place. And, what, and, and he even said, he said, if, if my servants were of this world, they would fight. But because we are not of this world, don't you see? It's all over the Bible. But people make up reasons. They make up excuses to twist the scripture satanically without even realizing it. When, like when Peter was standing before Jesus and, 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 and Jesus said to him, get thee behind me, Satan. And we've got people out there with, you know, big followings, big microphones all over the place with full of iniquity in their heart, thinking that they can hold up some amendment from their particular country as an excuse to kill people and be unlike Jesus. To not carry their cross and follow him. What? To follow him to his armory? Yeah, hallelujah. It's one of my, um, oh, I prayed and prayed and prayed for that, to, for the Lord to finally show me all that, all, how that whole thing worked. And when he did, I was like, just blown away. It's amazing. Anyway, praise God. But imagine to, so when you think about the diversity of believers, you have to take, you have to, because otherwise what you have is a, is a clear contradiction. But the Bible does not contradict itself. What it does is it covers the gamut. It covers all the different levels of believers. It covers the foolish virgins. It covers the wise virgins. It, it covers um, so many. And then you find out from people that were taken to heaven, particularly those multiple times, and spent any time there, you discover what the outer darkness is and how the rewards in heaven work and that not everybody gets the same size of a mansion. And not everybody gets a city mansion. Some of us don't. Some of us only get a country mansion. Some of us, some of the more disobedient Christians that didn't know any better, but didn't, you know, commit sins of death, those are bad. All right. But they made it by the skin of their chinny chin chin. They were not very productive. They didn't pass the test of the parable, the talents and rewards. Imagine that. Talents and rewards. And then, of course, there's the testimony of the one pastor of a church who was, he he He, he died. And he was, and when when he, uh, yeah, I don't have the whole testimony. I haven't heard it. Oh gosh, I mean, well over eleven years. <clears throat> but when I did hear it, I was like, oh my gosh. But evidently, he believed because he was a pastor that when he took a collection, when he passed a collection plate, that all of that money was for him to invest in his church because he was serving God. So he didn't tithe from any of the uh, any of the collections taken. Oops. Because when he died, he was taken to heaven and the angel showed him that he was going to be living in this very pretty small place. Way out in the outer darkness. Because he didn't give 
And when he came back, when the Lord, through his mercy, let the guy come back, he went. He flipped out, man. He sold everything he had. He got rid of everything. He liquidated it. He took the money. He gave it to the poor. He just gave, 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 gave. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Because at least he was given this incredible gift to see what he could have had, but wouldn't have had, but was able to achieve through giving out of love, realizing the opportunity that he would have missed. I mean, I, I, I'll I, tell you what. Well, I'm not going to get into that because you're not supposed to let your left hand know what your right hand is doing and all that. But let me tell you something. That ain't 10%. <laughs> I will tell you that. I'll leave it at that. When Jesus came, he rose, he took the bar, and he said, right here's the bar. Okay? All you, you know, Jews, you know, all you of Israel, here's the bar, and it's the way it's been, you know, all these thousand years and everything, And but now, I'm here. Now, I'm going to get beaten. Now, I'm going to hang from a cross and bleed to death. Now, I'm raising this bar. For you heard it was said, if you do this, that, and the other thing, that this, that, and the other thing would happen. But I say, because he was coming, he is the king of the new covenant. It's a new eternal contract. So it's been raised. If that bar has been raised for pretty much everything else, you can also believe that it's also been raised for pretty much everything else. (laughs) Okay? But that will be reflected in inheritance and rewards. Many are called. Few are chosen. Many are called. Few are chosen. Chosen for what? Latrine duty? Okay. Think about it a little bit. Praise God. It's amazing. And then, of course, I mean, you can just go on and on and on and on with these scriptures. It's amazing. But I'll share two more and then we'll move on. Hallelujah. Again, this one just cannot be skipped. This one just absolutely I mean, it's almost like watching a a mini-series on the courts of heaven. Zechariah 3, verses 1 through 7. And Zechariah sees, he says, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest. Now, there's, you know, what's a high priest? It's like the priest in charge. The head dude. Okay. So what does that mean? There's other priests that work for the high priest. Right? So he shows him Joshua. Zechariah is looking up. He's seeing this enormous, amazing vision. He's looking into the courts of heaven and he's going, Whoa, whoa, whoa. And he showed him the Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan at his right hand to oppose him. Where? In the courts of heaven. It says so. It's right here. But the Lord God, Yahweh Elohim, our Father, 
said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? So he was looking at Satan and saying, you know what? You might have some goods on Joshua the high priest here. But I'm rebuking you and telling you to back off. That would be the equivalent of the, uh, you know, the district judge uh, slapping down the gavel and saying, um, you know, counselor, be seated. Verse 3 says, now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. Why are his garments filthy? It's sin. Verse 4. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him. That's our father. Take away those filthy garments from him. And to him, our father said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. That's a pretty cool thing to do for someone who's seeped in sin, covered in it. Someone who obviously Satan had the goods on, but was told to shut up. Pamela Bush. And it's just it keeps on going on. It says, verse 5, and I said, let them put, this is our father speaking again, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head, and they put the clothes on him, the rich robes. And the angel of the Lord stood by. And the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua and said, thus says the Lord of hosts, If you will walk in my ways, if you will keep my command, then you shall also judge my house and likewise have charge over my courts. And I will give you places to walk amongst these who stand here. I suspect Joshua is kind of flipping out a little bit. I would have been. I would have been like, whoa, really? Are you kidding? This is amazing. And who are these who are standing there? It's just amazing. But you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, the General Assembly, the Congress, the Church of the Firstborn, who are registered in heaven, to God, the Judge of all, the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the Mediator, the Lawyer, the Advocate of the New Covenant, and to the blood of the sprinkling of sinnings that speak better, th- than th- th- better things than that of Abel. <laughs> like that would be difficult. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. This is amazing. It, 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 it doesn't say, it says you have come to Mount Zion. I would say that. To the city of the living God. That's where the courts are at. To the heavenly Jerusalem. That would be the Jerusalem. See, the scripture refers to it as the new Jerusalem. Why? Because it's talking about 
it's the perspective. You're on earth and you're seeing the new Jerusalem descending, you know, as a bride, you know, adorned as a bride. You're seeing it descending. It's really big, too. Big, giant cube. Amazing. I want to be inside there. Totally transformed. I think we all should want to. Many are called, few are chosen. To, what is an innumerable company of angels? That's a lot, isn't it? To the general assembly. Who are the four and twenty elders? What's that all about? How much power do you think they have? Do you think we're going to have to ask them stuff? You, Susan, are going to have to go see the four and twenty elders. And all of heaven shakes as you walk down this gigantic hallway. (laughs) This is some cool stuff. This is some really awesome stuff. Nehemiah 1, 5 through 8. Nehemiah prays, Your covenant and mercy with those you love and observe your commandments, please. He's talking to our Heavenly Father. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open, that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you, day and night for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess of the sins of the children of Israel. Wait a minute. What? business did Nehemiah have to confess of the sins for anybody else but himself? Hey! Ding, 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 ding. It's amazing. It's all right here. All right here. You could spend 60 years sitting in the in the uh, in the uh, I don't know, pews for lack of a better word you know, in a really juiced up, Holy Spirit filled, tongue speaking church. <laughs> and you're never going to hear any of this. Not a beep. Nope. Not a beep. I mean, I don't think it really, when you think about it, it's kind of very, um, very much about how Jesus said in Luke, um, you know, what, what is it? Is it 8.18 or 8.17? You know, all things... Um, praise Jesus. Let me go ahead and find it. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. All right. I'm going to pull it up right here because it's just like one of my favorite verses. I just need to do a better job of memorizing this one. Oh, my goodness. I got bumped in my email while we're doing the prayer vigil. Hey, all you people sending me emails. Join the prayer vigil. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, here, let me go ahead and pull it up. I just love this one. I just, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Luke 18, verse 17 to 18. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known or come to light. doesn't say when, does it? All right? It just says, you know, it, the implication of this scripture is that it, you know, it does seem to imply by the way it's worded, what Jesus said here, that it is associated with our time on earth. And the reason why that implication can be derived from the text is that once we're in the eternal realm with Jesus, 
there would be no point in what a person seems to have learned being taken away from them. Seems to ring true with the whole concept of, um, you know, I, God, will send a strong delusion so that they will believe the lie. You know, if you fall for that strong delusion, then whatever you seem to have from a standpoint of wisdom, because you didn't listen properly, is going to be taken away from you. Take heed how you hear. For wherever who has, to, you know, the ability to hear properly, if you can receive it, Jesus would say all the time, if you can receive it. He's, he's like, it's, it's like Jesus, it's, he almost, when Jesus would say, if you can receive it, I'd be like, okay, um, does anybody have any Q-tips in the crowd here? Therefore, take heed how you hear, for whoever has the ability to hear, to him more will be given. But if you've got stuff burned into your head because you listen to Pastor so-and-so and Pastor so-and-so and Pastor so-and-so, and they told you this, that, and the other thing, and you believed them and you let it stick, and it's all gummed up inside your ears and, you know, because you didn't take heed how you hear, heard, you just went ahead and believed. Well, Pastor so-and-so said, so that must be right, because after all, he's a pastor. Even though the ordinance that that individual was given was not necessarily given to them by God. John fifteen sixteen makes it very clear that God ordains. Not the brick and mortar's church. Okay, that's a whole nother that's a whole nother can of worms. Praise God, but isn't it amazing to realize that these things, these these these, you know, ten I don't know if I want to say ten years ago, but I can definitely say forty years ago, I don't think there was a single person on the face of planet Earth that was talking anything about the courts of heaven. Yet it's all over the Bible. It's all over the Bible. And uh, I won't go into the long, drawn-out testimony of how the Lord <laughs> confirmed for me through a very impossible event that it was true. You know, one one of the reasons I've taken some pretty serious beatings, I'm pretty sure, is because, uh, you know, maybe I wasn't quite qualified to be in the courts of heaven. <laughs> you know. Contempt of court. <laughs> you know? I don't know about you, but if I was a counselor inside of the law court, especially if it was the courts of heaven, I wouldn't want to be in contempt of nobody. I wonder what they do with them. Nah. Oh no. See, I overthink things sometimes. I will admit it. But it does make you wonder, doesn't it? Wonder if you have to go see the four and twenty elders if you dork up in the courts. Hmm. Wonder what they do. Wonder what do you look like? They're just big old white bearded dudes with amazing robes made of light. I wonder what happens when one of the four and twenty elders goes walking around in the streets of gold. Do people go hang out with him? 
Surely they don't just sit on that chair forever and ever. Nah. I don't know. It just keeps on going on. The scriptures just keep on going on, and they keep on saying the same things. And there's answers. That's you know the only way that you can. It's the diversities. It's the oh, it, it's the diversities of Christianity. It's the different understandings. It's the lack of understandings. It's the lack of wisdom. It's the lack of. It's sitting in a church going, "Oh, he's preaching uh, works-based salvation." He used the word "works." Kick him out of the church. Chase him down and get a get a big old rope or something. Find your pit, find find the Jesus pitchforks in the back closet. You ushers, grab that man. <laughs> He's preaching the Bible, and I don't understand it. Throw him out of this place. Oh, oh well. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Anyway, it's awesome. It really is awesome when you think about it. What's even more awesome is when we are constantly working out our own salvation in fear and trembling, thinking about what we think, thinking about why we thought it, reading books, applying them to Christianity even though they weren't written for Christians, or maybe they were. In some cases they are. Realizing that the word meditation is mentioned in the Bible in several places but has nothing to do with sticking your finger in your belly button and your chakras. But you wouldn't believe how many Christians actually believe if you even say the word meditation. You're talking about something satanic because they don't know their Bible, but they got lots of opinions. It's amazing. Oh, praise God! And then, and then I have people like sending me stuff. Praise Jesus! They they don't they 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 they're trying to be nice. Oh, you gotta listen to this brother preach. He just preaches. I just love this brother. He just preach, preach, and preach, and you gotta listen, preach, and I'm like. I'm not listening to that person. <laughs> you know, if, if I want to take like 30 steps back the other direction, I'll, yeah, sure. But no way. The Lord showed me the things that he showed me because I was avoiding it, because I didn't want to get, take heed how you hear. What that means is if you are hearing with bias, well, I'm a follow, follower of uh, uh, Pastor uh, Chuck Finkelberry. And I'm like, oh, gee, I, I'm a follower of Jesus and the Word. But have fun. You should listen to him. I should. He blesses me. The word should bless you. The word should bless your heart. You should be seeking God. The scripture says, if anyone seeks wisdom, let them ask God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it shall be given them. You might not want to read the next part because it's a little discouraging. Just believe. God ordains. God calls. 
God gives wisdom. Jesus is the head of the church. I'm not saying fellowship. But I will say, if you say if you if this we if these words come out of your mouth, I follow Pastor Blankety Blank, or whatever. I one time, I kid you not, I have to tell you, it's just too funny because it's just so real. It's how it is. Oh my gosh, the stories, the amazing experiences, and not most of them bad, honestly. Most of them tear-jerking, awful. But um, doing this radio show over the years, I've learned so much, and it's just, oh, it's crushing. And I'm like, here's this person teaching people, and there's people, maybe even hundreds or more, listening to them, and, and, and they're like saying things that are so antichrist, but they don't even realize it. I'm like, oh my gosh! Oh, it's just amazing. I was, um, I was going through this phase. I don't know. It was when Trump got elected, and I was like, man, what was that? Three hundred, three thousand prophecies that said that Trump there wasn't going to be a president after Obama. That Obama was the last one. T.D. Hill and the list goes on. I'm not picking on T.D. Hill, and I still believe that what T.D. Hill saw was going to come true. Absolutely. But there, are, it, anyway. So I thought to myself, well, I have fulfilled all of the prophecies that were prophesied about me. Therefore, maybe Father God will cut me a break. Because it kind of sucks, you know, living by yourself for 11 years. <laughs> so I was like, you know. And so anyway, I, I decided that I was going to do something that was like the most colossal waste of money that I could have ever imagined. If I had thought like, you know, for six months, meditated on how could I waste my money the most effective way possible, short of just lighting it on fire with a Bic lighter and tossing it into, you know, the street. <laughs> and it was joining Christian Mingle. Because <laughs> I thought, you know, maybe God would cut me a break, you know. Maybe I could have some companionship. Maybe I wouldn't have to sit, you know, Entire long weekends by myself. And uh, this, this, we'll just say, Christian lady um, started to converse with me and such and all that, whatever. Just, you know, just very high level, that kind of stuff. Anyway, so she tells me that she was a member of Bethel Church, is that it, in California, and part of their music or whatever. And I, I suppose I was supposed to fall on my knees and start worshiping her on the sea of glass, <laughs> okay? <laughs> because when I did not react, when I was, I mean, I was like, uh, hey, uh, thanks for sharing. You know, it was like the least impressive thing anybody could tell me, because I have absolutely zero respect for any churches that exist today. None. Zero. I don't look for bad things about them. I know there are, that there are fellow brothers and sisters, and they're all in different places, and they believe different things, blah, 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 and this is any other thing. That's fine. 
they're where they God want, maybe they're where God wants them to be. Maybe they're doing fantastic, wonderful, fabulous, awesome things. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I don't judge. I don't have a feeling about it. I, in fact, I'm devoid. That was the problem. Because I was utterly devoid. In fact, to me, when people mention these churches and their names, it doesn't have, it doesn't, it, it, it has the same meaning to me as somebody saying, you know, the grass looks a little greener today than it did yesterday. That's about the effect that it has on me. I don't care. It means nothing. But it was enough to make this person block me so hard. <laughs> I was like, you know, and I'm like thinking to myself, oh, my God, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I spent more time thanking Jesus for saving me. The women on Christian Mingle. <laughs> I'm like, get me out of here. I lasted, I think, three weeks or something, you know, before I was like, okay, cancel, 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 delete, 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 cancel, delete. And then I realized, oh, oh man, the stories I could tell you. And then I realized, you know what? Who am I kidding? <laughs> I, there isn't a woman that wouldn't think I was absolutely crazy. If they came to the house and they saw Jesus on every single wall, artwork, Jesus, Bible scriptures everywhere, a flag flying out in front of the house, a giant white Jesus sign on the back of a black SUV that you can see from four football fields away, clear as a bell. You know, and they would walk in here and go, whoa, I am so totally out of here. Exit, stage left, snagglepuss. It's, it's just how it is. And, and, and so I'm full enough, I'm nuts enough, I'm crazy enough to actually think that maybe for a millisecond that somebody would be okay with it because they aren't. You know, they're okay going over to a fellow Christian's house and sitting down for some hors d'oeuvres or whatever. And having a little sign up on the wall that says, you know, in God we trust and all others pay cash. <laughs> but if there's any real dedication to the Lord, it intimidates them. Oh, and don't get in the way of the pride. Ah, oh, it's amazing. Anyway, had to share. If, if, if at all, if it brought a smile to your mouth, you smiled. Remember the story about the smile? Oh, if we could only master the gift, God's gift of the smile. Not the fake smile. That fake smile is nauseating. And then there's the not fake smile that makes me kind of sad. And it's... That not, it's the not fake smile that comes from somebody who really does love the Lord, but doesn't realize how vital it is that they connect the black terminal to the battery, not just the red. When all you're preaching is positive, 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 you're not, that's one of the reasons why I'm very, very, very nervous and cautious about watching movies 
even if they're the crowd-funded, you know, the chosen and whatever, and I've been told by so many people, oh, it's just going to bless you, you're going to love it, you're going to love how Jesus is portrayed, you're going to love how Peter and all this kind of stuff, and, and don't get me wrong, I'll probably watch it, but I do it with the, I would have to be very, very careful. And I'll tell you why. Because Jesus spent the vast majority of his time on earth warning people. So when any movie portrays Jesus as being this happy-go-lucky, you know, if, if they leave out the fire and brimstone, they forget to connect up the negative battery of the terminal, which Jesus spent a lot of time talking about. And everybody thinks the only time he ever talked about it was to the Pharisees, but that is not true. In fact, a lot of his admonishments were going out to his own apostles and the people that were hanging around, which he would refer to as potentially disciples or whatever that were following him. In some cases, the multi-dudes. Why did he stand on the hill? Ask yourself this question. Why did he stand on the hill and he turned to the multitudes? And how many were those multitudes? 100? Nah. 500? Nah. 1,000? 2,000? 3,000? Standing in the valley and he's up on the hillside and he yells to them, If you cannot eat of my, you know, drink, uh, eat of my body and drink of my blood, you know, you cannot follow after me. And, they, and they're like, This dude is some kind of freaky dicky vampire, man. Let's get out of here. Why did he do that? Would anybody ever do that in some of these really smiley churches that you go to? Jesus did that because he was looking for those who had the spiritual acuity, the spiritual sensitivities to know that there was a mystery and he knew what he was saying, why he was saying it, and they wanted more. And the rest of them, it was bygones. Thanks for stopping by, y'all. How do you do that? Because the earth is a giant filter. The earth is a big, gigantic filter. It's amazing. It's an amazing, amazing story. And the more that you learn about it, the more that you learn about the mysteries, the more that you ask the questions. Nobody asks the hard questions. People will read the story. They'll talk about it, but they blow it off. It's like no one asks the hard questions. I would just once love to be sitting in one of those smiley churches, not because they're fake smiley. I'm not talking about fake smiley. It's, I guess, and I don't mean this in a mean way, but it's ignorant smiley. They don't really truly understand the magnitude of the absence of the black terminal of the battery. I, look, if you read the parable, praise Jesus, thank you, Father. If you read the parable uh, of the talents and rewards, see, this, this is the kind of stuff that keeps me on my toes. Okay, and we'll see if the Lord's going to let this fire up so I can bring it up. I'd like to read it verbatim, praise God. And I know it's in Matthew 25, so let me just jump over there real quick. All right. 
Matthew 25. Here we go. Bingo. There we go. The parable of the talents. Okay. But let me just go ahead. Listen. So Jesus talks about, he, he, I mean, he literally goes, the kingdom of heaven shall be like in ten virgins. And he they took their lamps and went out to the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. And those who were foolish took their lamps with, and, uh, you know, and took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. So they had extra oil. But while the bridegroom was delayed, now see, I'm a literalist. Okay, I'm a literalist, and um, and uh, in 1840, in a book written by Reverend J.W. Brooks, this was an anointed prophetic word of his, in the book entitled The Literalism Elements of Prophetical Interpretation by E.G. Dorsey Printers, okay, out of Philadelphia, they always mentioned the name of the printers back then, but Reverend J.W. Brooks was the one who wrote it. He wrote, about the time of the end... Could that be today? Me think so. Okay. Right? About the time of the end, in all probability, in all probability. wonder what that means. It means it's highly likely that there will be a body of men that will be raised up. Of course, you know, it's like men and women, but <clears throat> who will turn their attention to the prophecies, you know, in the Bible. And insist upon their literal interpretation amidst much clamor and opposition. You're taking it out of context. You don't understand what it really means. I have the THD. I'm the one who is ordained. Ushers! The point I'm trying to make here is that while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. See, to me, that's literal. Who would delay the bridegroom? The father. How long would he delay the bridegroom? Until the fullness of the Gentiles is brought in. Who knows what that number is? The father. Without going through the rest of that, the uh, wise and foolish virgins, the point of it is, guess what? He doesn't stop. He doesn't, it's like, it, it, he doesn't like, you know, and then he went down to Bethesda and he got a bucket of water out of the, and then he cast out a demon and all, you know, he just keeps on going. You know, verse 13, Matthew 25, he goes, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Then he goes, for the kingdom of, he doesn't stop. He doesn't take a break. He doesn't go in and have, you know, Whatever. Some Doritos, false and stuff, you know. He's, he goes right into verse 14, immediately. The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. Now listen to this. Now do th listen to this literally, and you will understand what I mean. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another he gave two talents, and to one uh, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And he immediately went on his journey. So in other words, th this parable literally acknowledges the fact that some of us have more abilities, better abilities, better 
we have things that we can bring to the service of our Father, gifts, uh, um, gifts, things that we're better at than maybe, you know, maybe it's music. Maybe your gift is music. There you go, according to your own ability. And then it says he immediately went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents and went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two talents gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug it and put it in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came back and settled the accounts with them. So he who had received five talents and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered me, uh, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents uh, besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Does this sound anything at all like ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ? Many are called, few are chosen. Yes, it does. And he goes on to say, enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he, verse 22, he goes, and also um, who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things, and I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. What? Enter where? What are we entering to? Oh. Yeah. Eternity. Verse 24. Then he who had received one talent came to the Lord. Now, remember, they received talents according to their abilities. Why would you only get one talent? Maybe you just didn't have very many uh, very good abilities. Now, listen to what he says here. This is the part that they leave out of the movies. Then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Look, I have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew uh, that, that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And, my, and, and at my coming, I would have received back my own with some interest. So take the talent from him and give it to someone who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he who has abundance from him who does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. That is not hell. It's not hell. See, people will be sad. Look, it, it, it says weeping and gnashing of teeth. And of course, you know, because of the way that it was interpreted, it makes you think they're just out there just ripping their eyes out and tearing out their spleen with a shrimp fork. And oh, I'm going to hell. And a lot of preachers teach that, but it's not true. It's simply the shadowy area. If you look at the outer darkness and you use your Strong's Enhanced Concordance, it says shadowy area. It, the, the city of the living God, the new Jerusalem, where there's an innumerable, innumerable company of angels, okay, where I just read from Hebrews uh, 12.22, 
That's that's Mount Zion is is set up high. That's where the pearly gates are. The the this the country mansions are in for miles and miles and miles and miles and miles, probably a hundred miles out in all directions outside of Mount Zion are where all of this this the, the uh, country mansions reside. That's the shadowy area. The, the the area that's glorified where there's no shadow of turning, that's where God is at. That's where the glory of God is at. That is in Mount Zion, beyond the pearly gates, where the city mansions are. The outer darkness is simply referring to the shadowy area. Now, would people be sad if they were cast out into that area? Well, where were they cast from? If they were standing amidst the glory of God, in the city of the living God, where the most glorious glory, the most amazing things, the most amazing part of heaven that there is, and then they were told, get out, sorry, leave the pearly gates, you've got to get out, you've got to get out. You did naughty, naughty, naughty pants on fire, naughty, naughty. See, this is what I don't want to forget. This is where none of us ought to forget. So when I watch movies that portray Jesus as only the red, fuzzy-wuzzy, white bunny, huggy-wuggy Jesus, then I fear. Because it's sending a message that you can preach in front of an entire gathering of, of believers and never mention Never explain what this parable actually means, what the implications are, what the ramifications are. Why didn't anybody tell me? No wonder there's wheeling and gnashing of teeth. They're not in hell. And all you have to do is do a Bible study on the outer darkness and read it, and it's like you know that they're not. There's no way, because it's talking about things that are happening right in heaven. Hell isn't in heaven. So you know it's the outer darkness. is definitely not hell. Hey, there's no way you can interpret it that way. It's like, you know, anyway, I don't even understand it. I mean, there are actually preachers out there that preach that the foolish virgins are unbelievers. I'm like, well, if they're unbelievers, then what are they doing being virgins at all? Anyway, thank you, Jesus. I just love it when we had uh, that that last precious couple on where um, um, Brother Darren was taken to heaven and told his son it was okay if he stayed there. What a cool thing to do. What a cool thing to do. And how they had uh, mentioned some of the things that they had experienced to their pastor, and their pastor was like, no, no, you were just imagining it. And I said to them, you need to get out of that church. And they were like, yes, <laughs> you're absolutely right. The problem is, it's pretty much the majority of it, it's all of them, really. I don't think there are any good ones left. I know, I get emails, oh, wow, my church is good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You know, the thing is, if you don't have anything to compare it to, then why wouldn't you think it was good? You don't have anything to compare it to. If you don't know what cold feels like, then going to the beach 
is just kind of like, trust me, I live in a place where I can be at the beach in like 15 minutes, okay? I've been here since 1985, okay? People save up their entire life to take their kids to where I've lived for the last 35 years, okay? And I, the last place I want to go is to the beach, <laughs> all right? I'm all beached out, okay? I've seen, you know, I don't know, 15-foot alligators lumbering across the street while people are, like, parked in cars going back as far as the eye can see, waiting for the alligator to get across. I mean, it's like whatever. You know, it's the same way wherever we are. If you live in Canada, eh, eh? You know, wherever we are, we we get used to it, you know? And then, uh, and you know, people up north... People that live in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania is a beautiful place. Vermont is gorgeous. Some of the places up in the Northeast are absolutely phenomenally, unbelievably, godly gorgeous. Everywhere you look, rolling hills, beautiful as can be. But if you're from that place, you never see it. You never see it. You never see God's beauty. Praise God. And I just took a look at the clock, and I realized that we need to go into communion service. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Disciples were seated about you at the eve of unleavened bread. You said I'd eagerly yearn for this supper, and that you'd suffer so its children could be fed. I can only imagine the silence in the room as you passed on the bread to be torn. The lady not understand. Reach of his plan in his love we were told to rejoice not to mourn so we gather from memory the glory of the lamb the one who was slain for the seed of abraham as we long for your coming we imagine the feast the king and his bride when our waiting has ceased You were open, went back up to heaven to speak to the heavenly force. You lifted the cup of forgiveness. It was paid, it was done. You had power to cause, and I can only imagine the thunderous sound as the heaven exploded in tears. We were free from our chains. All that remains is to never give in. We are destined to win. So we gather remembering the healer of our soul, destroyer of death, the Lord of the all, the light in our arms, the edge of our sword, the King of all kings, and the Lord of all lords. For we believe in a land All of creation Restored by His hand Eternity All is revealed 
by the time we remember all scars will be healed as we long for your coming we imagine the feast the Lord and his bride when our waiting has ceased generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light, who were once not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have Obtain mercy. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts with a smile, 
to which you were also called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, and whatever things are of a good report. If there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And he, Jesus, went a little further and he fell on his face and prayed, saying, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Matthew 26, 39. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by the angels, preached amongst the Gentiles, and believed upon in the world, received up in the glory. 1 Timothy 3:16. We pray for purification based upon Psalm 51, 1 through 14. Father, here we are. Again, we ask you, please, as undeserving as we are, because you remember that we are dust. As we are seeking our own salvation in fear and trembling. And we want to be chosen, not just called. Have mercy upon us, please. We know you love us so much. In accordance with that loving kindness and the multitude of your tender, tender mercies, we pray, please, Blot out our transgressions. Wash us thoroughly from our iniquity and cleanse us from our sin. We know that we've transgressed. Our sin's always before us. And against you, Father, you only we have sinned and done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Do not remember our sins. Behold, Father, we were brought forth in iniquity and in sin our mothers conceived us. Behold, Father, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part. You will make us to know your wisdom. Purge us with this up, Father. Purge us with this up. Make us whiter than snow. Help us, Father, to hear joy and be glad that the bones that you've broken may rejoice. 
Hide your face from our sin and blot out our iniquities, we pray. We praise you, Lord, for your mercy and your grace. Create in us a clean heart, Father. And renew our spirit within us that it be steadfast and pure. Do not cast us away from your presence and do not allow us to grieve the Holy Spirit. Father, restore to us the joy of your salvation and uphold us with your incredibly generous, merciful spirit. And then we will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. But Father, more than anything, deliver us from the guilt, the guilt of our past transgressions, our past sins. Because then our tongues will sing aloud and praise you for your awesome righteousness. The Lord's Supper, Holy Communion. For I receive from the Lord that which I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In that same manner, He also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant, the new eternal contract in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Ani, Vadodi, Vadodi Li. I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine.
to die, you lived in our place. You were seeking what was lost. And I know any place, anywhere that you've been, you were bound to live without sin. Regardless of the cost Yes, I know You were killed for all that we owe For the sake of eternity You died for me You were strong, you were kind, you were just You were aiming for the goal And you were smiling Always strong and secure through your word Like a shepherd guiding his herd Giving shelter in the soul Cause I know That your word holds power to grow Through your spirit and serenity my offense. You were sick for my deceit. You were poor for my prosperity. You were strong when I am weak. I praise you, my Redeemer. I praise you, Majesty. You were left by God alive. You'll always be with me. And I know I will never be I know you will be wherever. 
wherever I go. You travel right and easily. You'll be for me. And you know I will always follow you. To spread the word, to be a speaker of truth. I trust in you, in all that I do. Heavenly Father, there is much evil here, but you know that. Father, thank you for lifting our hearts and our minds and our spirit and our soul and our flesh through the very presence that God had that resides within us to understand that we are not even really from this planet at all. Merely sojourners, workers, ordained only by you, chosen only by you. We are a royal priesthood. As Jesus said, if my disciples were from here, this planet, They would fight. But we are not from here. We're not from here. Father, we see the evil that has become so pervasive that it touches probably more than 100 million people. It's happening all over the world and has for many long decades. But Father, the lies, the intentional lies and deceptions are supremely obvious to those of us who are somewhat even slightly aware the deceptive spirits, the filthy demons of darkness that are feeding off the very blood of the people and the places of this earth that have wars, that have violent uprisings, 
Father, we pray and we hold up before you, symbolically before you, Father, to your courts, to your high, holy, incredible, awesome, merciful courts, a golden bowl of forgiveness, we pray, Father, please. As a royal priesthood, which you and you only have ordained, that you would forgive them, Father, all of them, for they know not what they do. They truly don't. Father, if they did know what they were doing, truly, from an eternal realm standpoint, from a hellfire standpoint, if they truly knew what they are missing for all of eternity, if they truly knew, but they don't. They don't. Just as the Jews had said, free Barabbas. And Jesus was so awesome. In the midst of one of the most humiliating and horrible things that have ever happened on in all of the universes, really. Jesus said, Father, please forgive them. They just don't understand. And we ask you, Father, please forgive all of them. Forgive the lying media. The only ones we don't ask for forgiveness for, Father, are the ones which you know are tares, entities, slimy, wall-crawling creatures, not from here, twice dead. But for all those who are not, Father, who are victims of ignorance, we pray, please, in Jesus' name, that you will forgive them. Forgive them, Father. We ask you in the name of Jesus to send down an innumerable company of angels into their presence, merciful Lord, to touch them in dreams and visions of the night, as it says in Job 33, 14, and 15, to save their souls from the pit and to seal their instruction, to reveal the glory of the Lord Jesus. Holy Lord Jesus, in the presence of your intense, unbelievable, supernatural compassion, we pray that you will show them the man in the white robe. Reveal love. Reveal love to many who have never even experienced it. Father, we pray that the heavens will be parted like the Red Sea and that hundreds and hundreds of trillions of angels of light, love, accompanied by angels of war for divine protection, will enter into these lands, touch these people, send more and more and more of them in the war-torn places. Send them, Father, to wherever it is, to whatever church, whatever sanctuary, whatever gathering there may be for them to be able to receive or progress a little further in the faith. 
For through this darkness, Father, as you lift your hand of protection away from many parts of this earth, indeed, I believe, pretty much the whole earth at this point, we pray, Father, that you will be glorified in the Son. For when your righteous judgments are in the earth, Father, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. It may be the toughest lesson they've ever learned, but if it results in them being our brothers and sisters in heaven, to you be all the glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you all. See you next Friday, Lord willing. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Sinners set the mercy of grace. Redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise his holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you, we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set her free Write our names in your book of life We are cleansed through your holy sacrifice As we lift your name on high Renew our mind, renew our souls, remove the scars from our past and deem us righteous. We rebuke all deceptive lies. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. We are the branches on a living tree. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. Until you come back for your bride to set her free. Watch us as we trim our wicks Our lamps are full, our hearts are light Like those five white virgins we will be